Well, hello, everybody. It's nice. Uh, I, I wish I was in church where I could see you all, but, um, you know, this thing is still going, and uh, one day we will be back, and hopefully it'll be soon. Um, we've been hearing some pretty good news about um, some progress with vaccines and treatments, so hopefully we'll be back in church here shortly. Um, today I want to do the second part of my sermon over fasting. Um, personally, I've been on a health recovery journey myself for the last year and three quarters of the, next, of the second year. Um, and like I said in the last sermon, I've lost 90 pounds since I figured all this stuff out. Um, and, and I want to share with my church um, the truth about how you can regain your health using something that we read about all the time in the Bible and maybe don't think about it a whole lot. But that is with fasting and how uh, fasting works with the way we God designed us to be. Um, what I wanted to do today was quickly go over the first part of the sermon, like a real, like a summary of it. Um, just just in case if you haven't seen that sermon and you um, and you maybe you want to go back and watch it. Um, I think Charles is going to link it to it to that in the YouTube channel. But I wanted to quickly go over the summary of that before I go into the actual. Um, physiology of how the body actually works. And if there's a particular slide that we're going to go over really, really thorough, because if you can understand that one slide and how the body works, you will have the the remote control to your health. You'll be able to to, um, control your weight and your health simply um, by knowing that one slide. So um, I'll let you know when we get there. But before we start, I wanted to go ahead and, and have a word of prayer um, and start this thing off with um, with our Lord and Savior. Lord, thank you so much for providing us with the means to uh, help ourselves with our health. Thank you so much for blessing our church and our community and keeping us safe during these um, troubled times with this pandemic and all the other things going on, Lord. We ask that you continue to bless us, our church, and our community, Lord, as we go forward. And I ask that someone that is listening to the sermon today is blessed and can take the information that I'm sharing today and use it to regain their health um, and and be able to live a longer and happier life with them and their family, Lord, and to serve you, um, to be able to serve you um, until... Um, you decide to come back and take us home. And so, Lord, I just want to first give you the praise and thank you so much for everything that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So, um, like I said in the last sermon, I've lost 90 pounds. Um, and I still got a long ways to go. But, you know, it takes time to put a lot of weight on, and it just takes time to take it off if you want to do it in a healthy way. So, um, but... In this sermon, we're going to talk about two different things because they are actually two symptoms of the same problem. We're going to talk about obesity. Um, you know, when uh, when you've gained a lot of weight, you know, a lot of fat on the body. And we're going to talk about diabetes, specifically diabetes 2 and pre-diabetes. Um, diabetes 1 is a little bit, it's, it's different because it is not reversible. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. But if you have prediabetes, and a lot of us have prediabetes and don't realize we have it, or if you have diabetes two, type two, you can reverse that and get and and get healthy. And in fact, just to share um, some results, my mother came to me about a couple of days ago, and she was just curious about what her blood sugar levels were. 
And when we checked her blood sugar levels, they were normal, completely normal. And she hasn't taken metformin in three or four months. And so the things that she's doing is reversing her type 2 diabetes in case. Well, she had she was a borderline type 2 diabetic. Okay, so in the first sermon, we talked about four different things. We're going to quickly go over that, recap that. And then we're going to go into the science of it. So let's start with the memory verse, which was in Matthew 4. Um, it was in Matthew 4, 1 through 4. And that read, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the, the mouth of God. So, this was the first uh, thing we talked about in the last sermon. It was just about fasting and prayer, um, as, it's ta- as it's talked about throughout the Bible. And I'll quickly read this. Fasting and prayer are talked about throughout the Bible for many reasons, such as worshiping God, to express grief, to prepare for ministry, to seek God's wisdom, and more. Fasting is abstaining from all or some kinds of food or drink especially as a religious observance. A number of studies have suggested intermittent fasting has numerous health benefits, including weight loss, lower blood pressure, and reduced cholesterol. Documentation is mounting that shows fasting to not only benefit the spiritual parts of our lives, but it also affects us positively, uh, positively, physically, and mentally. Um, And current research shows that intermittent fasting is extremely beneficial. Um, Fasting is a discipline. And anyone who practices fasting uh, can attest to that, is that it's a mental discipline. Because in reality, especially here in America, we really don't understand what true hunger is because most of us have never really experienced real hunger. What we're experiencing is a hormonal um, response from a hormone called ghrelin, which is basically your body has programmed itself to get hungry or have those responses at certain times of the day that you normally eat. So fasting is a discipline. And fasting throughout the Bible um, has been used in many different ways, in which that's what we talked about in the last sermon. But one way is that we use it is a way to humble ourselves before God, to abstain from, from food um, in, a, in an act of humbleness um, before him. And some benefits besides um, that's been used from um, fasting is that you, like, I, I have felt better. Um, I have better energy levels. I sleep better, and I have more mental focus because those are all benefits of fasting. And those are other reasons why people do fast, and even in the Bible. So it says the next part we went over was why did Jesus fast, and. Um, I'm going to read this real quickly, but basically he, he fasted right before he started his ministry. And let me go ahead and read this. Fasting is a practice found throughout the scripture. A fast in the Bible is usually a voluntary total abstinence from food for a set time for the purpose of devoting oneself to seeking God. Fasting denies our flesh what it wants so that we can focus more clearly on strengthening our spirits. It doesn't seem that Jesus fasted often. In fact, his critics condemned him for eating and drinking in Matthew eleven nineteen. There is only one record, recorded instance of scripture of Jesus fasting. 
This fast immediately followed his baptism in Matthew 3.13, which inaugurated Jesus' public ministry. Matthew 4, verses 1 through 2, says that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to fast for 40 days and nights. During that time of fasting, Jesus was repeatedly tempted by the devil. This testing time prepared him for the three-year ministry that would change the world. And basically, it's about gaining mastery over the body, over the flesh. And as you start to fast and, and use um, that as a discipline, you begin to realize that the body wants what it wants, and you have to gain mastery over the body. Um, and the more you fast, the more you get control because you begin to understand that what you're feeling and experiencing is not actually hunger. It's just the body desiring something, it's desiring to eat. Um, I, like I mentioned the last time, um, on the days that I fast, I know that, and I know I'm not going to eat. I do not think about food very often. It, I, it really doesn't bother me hardly at all. But on the days that I know I'm going to fast later in the day, I am anticipating eating all day. And it's, it's kind of like a struggle to get there. I, I, I can compare that experience from doing the daily fast to the alternate day fast that I personally do to a 10-day fast I did at the beginning of this year. During that 10-day fast, when I knew I was going to be eating for another three, seven, eight, nine days or whatever, you know, whatever in the beginning, I really did not experience much hunger at all. It was only on day 9 and 10 that I began to anticipate eating, and then it became a little bit tougher. So this is all a mental thing that you're battling when you fast. It's actually not – you're not actually hungry. You're mentally – you're battling the body, the flesh. And this is why Jesus um, used fasting to, to, um, to start his ministry, is to sharpen his mental discipline. Um, and he was tempted by the devil. And so let's go into the, the, the third part of what we talked about was the, the, was the fasting and spiritual health. I'm not going to go through all that because of time, but basically what we did is we went from, uh, through many, many examples of how fasting was used throughout the body. And if you want to listen to that because you didn't hear it or you've forgotten, go listen to the first sermon because that, that in that sermon we go through all the different ways it was used in the Bible. Um, and so because I do want to go ahead and get to this next part, so if I need it, I can spend the extra time on it. Um the last part of that sermon was about Ellen G. White's health message. And to summarize, um, if you didn't, like you say, if you want to hear more of what she was saying, go back to the first sermon. But basically, she um, recommended intermittent fasting long before the term was ever said. Um, what she was describing is what we call intermittent fasting now. And she herself practiced it, and she herself began to lose weight. I think she said she lost like 25 pounds in a couple of months. Uh, and she said she felt better and all that. And so this idea of using fasting to, to lose weight or lose fat on the body um, to getting better health is not a new practice. It's actually really, really old. It's, a very, it's, it's amazing how the smarter we get in these last days, the dumber we get. We learn so much about how the world works, but yet we do things that were just common knowledge even a hundred years ago. And so, and like Ellen G. White herself was recommending that you intermittent fast 
So now what I want to do is go into what we're going to talk about in this sermon, which is basically the um, workings of how the body is designed by God. And if you understand how it works, then you begin to understand how you can control your weight gain and weight loss, which is going to give you the ability to regain your health. If you're struggling with obesity or even if you have diabetes 2 or prediabetes, you can reverse that and be and get healthy. Um, just a really quick note before I get into this next part. My mother told me that when she went to her doctor, when she first learned about being a diabetic, the doctor actually recommended that if her blood sugar got really, really high, that she just should fast for a day and it would bring it back down. But the doctor did not recommend that she continue to fast to keep her blood sugar down. She gave her metformin to control the blood sugar, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. If fasting brings it down, then why not continue to use that? And that's how we're going to start because I want to use that example to introduce uh, Dr. Uh, Jason Thung. And uh, just a little bit about him. He is a Canadian kidney specialist. He is a world-leading expert on intermediate fasting and low-carb diets, especially for um, treating people with type 2 diabetes. Um, and basically, what Dr. Fung, who um, is where uh, a lot of this journey for me began, I actually had read one of his books before I actually got into the fasting later on. But um, he... Uh, what it is, he's a kidney doctor, and his patients would come to him, and, and you know, I'm not going to go into his full story, but basically he realized he was treating type 2 diabetes, most of the, uh, most of the problems that he was uh, treating. So as he began to prescribe metformin to his patients, over the course of 10 years, he began to realize that actually what he was do, needing to do to treat uh, type 2 diabetes was to help them to lose weight. And then when he began to realize he got to help them lose weight, that is what he when he connected the dots between obesity and diabetes too, and then began to recommend intermediate fasting. If you look up Dr. Fung, intermediate fasting on YouTube, there are lots of videos of him doing lectures. You should listen to him talk. He is not a Christian, by the way. Oh, that is my guess that he's not one. But what he's saying is the truth. And so if you'll listen to him, you'll learn a lot just by listening to him on YouTube. But he did write uh, a couple of books. One is called um, The Obesity Code. And I have a copy here of my copy. I actually have both copies at home. I didn't want to bring them both. But if you want to just buy a book and read about him and what we're, we're going to talk about today, you can get your copy on Amazon. It's called The Obesity Code. Unlocking the Secrets of Weight Loss. But I'm going to give you a very high-level summary of this whole book in this sermon so that you understand what he was talking about. But going back to the blood sugar levels, just to give you an example, every, where his journey started was from diabetes and then it went to obesity. For diabetics, for those of you who do not know, um, if you want to measure your blood sugar levels, uh, and the reason why you would want to measure your blood sugar levels is because when you have extremely high levels of blood sugar, it creates a lot of different problems in the body. You get you become very, very sick. So diabetics have to kind of control the blood sugar levels that they that they have through uh, insulin, through metformin, through fasting, whatever. You know, there's different um, ways that they try to, to um, control that. 
But if you want to know what a normal blood sugar level is, if you the best time to take a blood sugar level, your blood sugar levels is right after you wake up, before you eat anything. And that is what the fasting column here is um, on this chart. And then if you want to, if you have, say you ate something, wait two hours and then check it again. And basically, if you're normal, you have a 70 to a 100 uh, mg uh, milligrams over dec- uh, deciliters, basically. Uh, basically, 70, 70 to 100 is normal after you've been, you haven't ate anything. To be a pre-diabetic, and this is how you know if you're a pre-diabetic, if you wake up in the morning and your blood sugar level is between 100 and 125, you probably are, are, are pre-diabetic. It doesn't mean that you're diabetic. It means you're getting very, very close to it. You're borderline, and that's what my mom was. She was a pre-diabetic. If you have type 2 diabetes, you're basically at about 126 or higher after you wake up. Um, and then actually after you eat, Two hours, you're, you're going to have elevated blood sugar levels because that's what, um, we're going to talk about that, but that's what happens when you eat. Your blood sugar levels are going to go up. So if a normal is around less than 140 milligrams, if you, if you eat and two hours later you're, you're less than 140, 40, then you're normal. If you're between 140 and 199, you're a pre-diabetic. And if you're 200 or higher, you are a diabetic, a di- you have diabetes too. So... I just went over that because this is actually pre-diabetes and obesity are symptoms of the same problem, which is why Dr. Fung realized that to if he solved one, he could solve the other. Um, and so the question where we're going to begin is why is there an obesity pandemic across the world and specifically in the United States? Well, up until 1977, your typical eating routine for everybody across the world is that you ate three meals a day. That is that was that was normal standard diet like uh, diet eating regimen. You got up in the mornings, especially if you were on a farm. Let's say let's, let's go back 100, 200 years. You get up in the morning, you go do your morning chores. You come back in, you have breakfast, you go back out into the fields, you work, you come in for lunch, you have a lunch, you go back in the fields and work again. You come in for dinner. Then you spend some few hours with your family, then you go to bed, and then you wake up and do it all over again. That, that was the norm up until around 1977. Now, at this time, something very interesting happened. First, there was this um, disease, this heart disease became a, a really big problem, um, specifically here in America. Now, let's just keep the conversation to America, but this has actually happened around the world, but and spe- specifically in the USA, uh, heart disease became a problem. So two things changed and became norms that created this, ob- this obesity pandemic and actually probably the, the rise of diabetes. The first was um, that they recommended that you uh, eat six meals a day. Actually, uh, let's, let's reverse the order here. The first thing they did was they started to recommend that you have a high carb, medium pro, uh, protein, um, uh, low fat diet because that was a diet that was going to allow you to not, to not get heart disease, which actually we found it to be the exact opposite um, to be true. But in recommending that high carbohydrate diet, which is basically a lot of sugar. And pasta and things of that nature, because sugar is a carbohydrate, by the way. 
they started recommending cereal and breakfast food that was sugary and, and juice and all this sort of stuff was recommended. And as people started eating more carbohydrates, they started to gain more weight. Okay. And so people were like, you know what? You should exercise and then you need to eat small meals throughout the day, six meals throughout the day. So they started recommending six meals a day. So now people were eating breakfast, having a snack in between, eating lunch, having a snack in between, eating dinner, having a snack before bed. And eating more food was the answer to losing weight, which sounds kind of ridiculous, but that's what we recommended to everybody. The truth is, the more you eat, the more you eat. And especially the more you eat carbohydrates because you get addicted to carbohydrates the same way an addict gets addicted to drugs and alcohol. The more you eat, the more you want to eat, especially carbohydrates, because have you ever gotten a mood where no matter what you ate, you can never get full? Like if you've ever experienced that, it's because you're probably eating carbohydrate rich foods and you can never get full. Fiber, protein, and fat are filling. Carbohydrates is an empty filling. Just to give an example, if you go out to eat dinner and you get stuffed and you're full, you can't eat more of the same kind of foods, can you? But you could eat some dessert because dessert is carbohydrate-based. It's sugar. And you can eat it. It's less filling. And that's, that's where the, the idea of dessert after dinner comes from. Um, so... Two things happen. High carbohydrate uh, um, diets and eating more meals a day. And the, the actual number is the average amount of meals that people eat today are, is I think it's around eight or nine meals a day with 14 meals being on the high end or, or normal, actually. Because basically once you, you go to this kind of eating regimen, you're just eating all day long. You just never stop eating. All right. Like. Unless you're busy working or doing something else, you're probably snacking all day. If you're at home all day, you're probably snacking all day. And that's, that's where this obesity problem came from. So, how, like, what is happening when you eat carbohydrates? What is happening when you're gaining weight? What is happening when your, your blood sugar levels are so high and you, you're, you're starting to develop diabetes? Well, it has a lot to do with this hormone called insulin. Now, you probably, diabetics know all about insulin, but if you do not know what insulin is, I'm going to explain what it is to you really quickly. Insulin is a hormone in the body that tells your body when, um, your body to store food energy. Basically, when you eat, your insulin hormones in your body will spike. They will go up. No matter, no, what, whatever you eat, it doesn't matter if it's carbohydrates, protein, um, fat, whatever, it doesn't matter. If you eat anything with cal- calories or food energy, your hormone called insulin will spike, okay? And the reason why it spikes is because its job is to basically regulate how that food energy is um, used. Now, just so, just to give you a quick little uh, information about what we're talking about here. When you eat food, that food is converted into what we call blood sugar or glucose, if you ever heard of glucose. Glucose is the food energy, and it's the, it's the sugar that's in the blood. It's the blood sugar. That's why I call it blood sugar. The body uses blood sugar in order to get, get ATP or energy. So basically, 
But your, your body has a basic metabolic rate. It's a, it's a certain amount of energy that if you didn't, say you didn't exercise or do anything, you're just doing normal activity, even sleep, you, your body requires a certain amount of energy in order to uh, function and operate. It gets the energy to do that through the blood sugar, and like blood sugar or glucose, the food, the food that you put in your body. Okay? When you have just enough um, um, glucose in the body, in the blood, to do those functions, um, say you have a little bit more. The, the role of insulin is to say, okay, we have more blood sugar in the blood than we need, and we have all the energy we need for the body, so let's take this extra food energy, the nutrients, all that, and let's place that into fat cells, which is your fat reserves, your fat on your body. And we're going to save it for a rainy day. Because back up until these last 100 years, um, there's this thing called feast and famine. Your body is designed to help you survive the famine so that when you're feasting, you're, you're putting back extra energy. So when the famine comes, you have some energy to run on whenever um, bad times come. So that is a high-level um, ex- explanation of what insulin is. Okay, so here's a, here's a chart to explain what I'm talking about here. When you wake up in the morning and you eat breakfast, your insulin level is going to spike. And it usually takes about two to three hours for your insulin to come back down. So if you eat at 8 o'clock, it's probably going to take to around 10 o'clock, 1030, whatever, for it to come back down to zero. All right. Then at lunchtime, it's going to spike again when you eat. And then at dinner, it's going to spike again. When you go to bed at night, you are actually going into a fast. That is why breakfast is called breakfast. It's break your fast. Breakfast. Breakfast. All right. So what is interesting about this, and we're going to go back. We're going to, I got more charts where I'm going to really explain to you what's happening here, is that when insulin is present in the body, your body cannot burn fat. Take note of that statement. When insulin is present in the body, your body will not burn body fat. It will burn the food energy that you just put in your mouth and the blood sugar in the blood for energy. It will not burn fat. Now, if you look at this chart, I'm going to try to explain it using how Dr. Fung explains it. Your fat cells have like a, a uh, opening to them. And let's think of that opening like a door. Okay? The door will not open for the body to use. Like, let me use, I wish I had a little pointer here, but the energy coming in is the food that you put in your body. If your food comes in your mouth into your body and blood sugar comes into the bloodstream, the door will lock to your foods, to your fat stores on your body. And the body will use that energy and the energy goes out. When your insulin goes to zero, like you see in this chart here at the bottom, we're in the blue. When it comes back to zero, that lever will drop. The, the lock will unlock and the body can then go into the fat cells and pull the, the, the reserves out of them and use that for energy. So 
when you think when when I, when I explain this, I have a, I, I'm gonna go deeper into this because if you understand what I'm saying, you will understand how the body decides when it's going to burn fat on your body and when it's not. But that's basically if your insulin is present in the body, you cannot burn um, body fat. You have to wait until your insulin levels go back down to zero. And then the body will say, okay, it is okay now to use body fat for energy. Um, And before I get into that chart, let's talk about insulin resistance. Insulin resistance is actually the problem that Dr. Fung found in his patients. Insulin resistance is actually the cause of obesity and diabetes. So if you understand this chart, this, 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 uh, this concept here, and this concept I'm going to talk about here in just a second, you will now have the key. Basically, what insulin resistance is, is basically the body is trying to place the nutrients and the, the food energy into the cells of the body. So when you eat, insulin will, will, is, the, is the hormone that takes that and puts it into the cells, all right? If you are eating high amounts of carbohydrates and sugar, after a period of time, your cells get full of these nutrients. And once it gets full, the insulin is having a harder and harder time getting more uh, nutrients into the cell, getting more of that blood sugar into the cell. So think of it like you have a suitcase and you're packing for a trip and you filled it up. But you still have a lot more clothes to get into the suitcase. So what are you doing? You're packing that those clothes in there and, and the, the suitcase is getting fuller and it's harder and harder to close. And you're jumping on it, trying to get more in there. This is exactly what's happening with insulin resistance. But it's happening on the cellular level. Your pancreas will, because you're not being able to get more of that blood sugar out of the blood and into the cells, it will start to secrete more insulin in order to try to pack more um, of that into the cell. But after a period of time, your pancreas, it's like it's an overdrive, it's an overdrive, and it begins to malfunction and not be able to um, function correctly. And so what's happening is when you become insulin resistant, your body you have elevated amounts of insulin in the body. And remember, the long, if you have insulin levels above zero, you cannot burn body fat. So you're gaining weight. Your pancreas, I mean, I mean yeah, yeah, your pancreas is, uh, excuse me, your liver, you see the liver to pancreas. I'm sorry, I got confused here. I am not a doctor here, but I'm just trying to explain this. I believe it is your, uh, your pancreas that it starts to malfunction it's been sending all this extra insulin, and now it cannot produce as much insulin or not insulin at all. So what's happening is when the, the, liver, the, the liver is secreting all this insulin into the blood, that is prediabetes. That is diabetes, too, because you have elevated amounts of insulin in the body. When your pancreas loses the ability to create insulin, that is diabetes 1, because now you cannot create your own insulin. And you have to take insulin in order um, to get it. And that, and the reason why it's not uh, reversible is because the damage is done to the liver. Okay? So let me use this, this uh, diagram here. 
in a normal state, you have your cell, and the insulin is bringing the glucose into the cell. That's normal. When um, you're constantly eating and constantly eating carbohydrates, um, this third part here, this overflow overflow paradigm, is that the cell is getting fuller and fuller and fuller of uh, glucose, and it's harder and harder and harder to get more into it. That's what I just described. Um, And so what's happening is your insulin levels stay high and elevated. And the longer you stay high, your your insulin is high and elevated, even when you're sleeping, you're not burning fat. If you continue to eat like this over months and years, your fat stores are going to just grow and grow and grow because you have insulin present. You're never burning any fat on your body. Okay. The reason why carbohydrates is key here is because carbohydrates will spike your insulin the highest amongst protein and fat. The reason why the keto diet is so popular is because if you eat a high fat and low carb diet, you can get in and out of fat burning quicker because the fat, um, when you eat fat, it doesn't spike your insulin very high. Protein will spike it a little higher, but not nearly as much as carbohydrates and specifically sugar and bread. Now, for those of you who are who do keto or low carb, low carb diets, not eating a lot of bread is key to that. And the reason is because, and there's a whole study on this because everything I'm talking about, I'm very, I'm just giving you like the surface level part of it. There's like studies and studies and studies about this, but bread is processed differently than when it was prior to, I think in the 70s or 80s, I can't remember what the decade was, but they started to process wheat differently. And it's it's a lot more refined and it's been mutated to to be able to be grown a lot faster. And there's a whole video about it I watched that's very interesting. But basically when you eat bread, it's like a heroin addict taking a shot of heroin. Like your insulin will spike like you're taking uh, like you're taking heroin. Think of it like that. And the higher it goes, the longer it takes for it to come back down. So this is why a high-fat, low-carb diet is best for um, losing weight. Is because if you eat a high-fat, low-carb diet, you your your insulin levels aren't going as high, and they're going back to zero faster. That is the importance of this. So basically, when I was talking about in the beginning about them recommending a high-carb, low-fat diet, that's where the obesity started because when we're eating so many carbohydrates, everybody's um, insulin levels were spiking and they were staying high. And then when we were eating six meals a day instead of three meals a day, we were never giving our bodies an opportunity to burn to burn fat because we were continuously spiking um, the insulin levels. Up until you went to sleep. So the only time you were burning fat potentially was a few hours after, right before you woke up. And then you would eat again and you would eat high carb or whatever. That is the problem with a high carb uh, diet. So it's, it's a cycle. Once you eat, 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 and eat carbohydrates and sugar, you start to develop this thing called insulin resistance. After you develop insulin resistance, your insulin levels stay elevated all the time. And because your insulin levels stay uh, uh, elevated all the time, your, your blood sugar continues to stay high because the insulin cannot get the blood sugar out of the blood. 
Because that's what he was trying to do when he was trying to stuff it into those cells. As your blood sugar stays high, that creates a multitude of other problems for health reasons that we're not going to get into. But also, because of the high insulin levels, now you're steadily packing on fat and you're never burning it because you're never given an opportunity for your body to burn it. So that is what diabetes and obesity worry comes from, from that one thing, which is insulin resistance. So now let me go over this part because if you get this part, I'm gonna, like I've explained it, and I'll list, I'm going to show you a different diagram so you can kind of see what's happening. But if you understand this, you have the answer um, for how the body works. So when you eat food, calories come into the body and the refrigerator is your body. The food in the refrigerator is the blood sugar. It's the stuff that you ate that was converted into blood sugar. Now, typically what's going to happen is that energy is going to come into the body. The body is going to burn that energy and that's the calories out. Okay. But if you are um, eating more calories than you need. So let's say, let's keep the math simple. You're a young male. um, You use 2000 calories a day just for basic bodily functions and and to to live. Right. But let's say you eat 2500 calories in a day. Well, what's the first thing the body's going to do? It's going to ramp up its bodily um, production to try to burn off those extra calories. But let's say it burns off two, 2,300 calories um, because it's it's, it's uh, ramped up. You still have 200 calories of food energy that it was not able to burn off. So what insulin will do? It will then take those 200 calories and it will store it in body fat in fat cells so that whenever a famine comes it can have it has a food source that it can reach into and you can live on on food that you've already eaten months years ago all right now as you see in this diagram insulin is a regulator for this process okay and so like i was saying like with the cells there is a switch in the body and it can only do one of two things it's binary you can either burn body fat for energy or you can burn food energy that you just ate. You can only do one or the other. You can't do both. And so what insulin is going to do, it's going to say, okay, there's food coming into the body. All the food, the energy that's in the fat stores, it, it, we're going to shut the door and we're going to lock it. You can't use that. We're going to use the food coming in. When you have a shortage of energy or if you fast and don't eat at all, then the insulin says, okay, okay, we don't have any energy or we don't have enough energy coming in. When I get back down to zero, the door is going to unlock and the energy that you ate and stored is then free to come out and be used as energy. That is key to understanding how the body actually operates and how you burn fat. Now, what's interesting about that process is the, the correlation between that and the standard dieting advice that you get um, from people today. And I'm going to explain what that advice is, why it doesn't work, and why fasting actually is the answer to that. Okay, so your standard dieting advice is, let's say, let's use that same example of the male who uses 2,000 calories just for a basic, uh, ba- the BMR is 2,000 calories, the basic metabolic rate. The standard advice is you want to diet and exercise. 
but you want to diet by cutting 500 calories out of your diet so that you're using less energy that you're bringing in. And that'll force the body to use, use fat energy to make it up. It sounds good on its surface, but in fact, it actually doesn't work. Um, it's scientifically proven that it doesn't work for long-term weight loss. Um, they've done studies where over the course of five, four or five years, there is literally a 99% failure rate for people getting uh, fat, uh, uh, fat off and keeping it off for the long term. And here's the reason why. When you cut calories in this manner, you slow your metabolism. What that means is your body, just like in the example before, where you were eating in excess and the body ramped up production to try to burn off that extra energy, the body can actually do the reverse. So let's say he, the, 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 the guy is eating uh, 1,500 calories instead of 2,000. What the body will attempt to do then is to slow its metabolism by shutting down or slowing down bodily functions in the body to account for the lack of calories um, that's coming in for it to function. And remember, as long as insulin is in the body, it cannot use fat, in, uh, fat for energy. So basically what's happening is the body is not getting the energy that it needs from new eating and is also not getting it from the fat stores. So you're essentially starving the body. Okay, if you do this standard advice, you're going to get hungry because the ghrelin responses are going to be their most um, aggressive because it's trying to let you know we need more energy one way or the other, either through fat or through you eating more. Right. Um, and so this is the standard dieting advice. That's the problem is that your body acts like a thermometer in a house. All right. So this is where um, I'm giving you kind of like the highlights of this book about the obesity code, because this is what he figured out. Your think of your body as having a thermometer. And basically, um, let's say the, the, the set temperature is at 70 degrees. If you say I want the degrees to be 72 degrees, the, the, therm, the, the thermometer will either turn on the air or the heat to get it up to, 70, say, 72 degrees. If you want it to be 68 degrees, it will change the heat or cold and then go the opposite direction. And that way it's staying balanced around this average, this uh, set um, temperature of 70 degrees. When you are trying to do the calories in, calories out, uh, 500 calories um, less than your, your, um, your, uh, than your BMR, you are literally doing like you would you want on a thermometer is saying, I want it to be 68 degrees. But once, once the house gets to 68 degrees, then the thermometer will turn off. Or once it gets to 72 degrees, it will turn off and the temperature will go back to the set uh, um, temperature. It's the same thing with the body. If your set body weight is 2,000 um, 2, uh, 2, calories a day and you subtract 500 calories, the body will adjust its output. That's the slowing of the metabolism in order to get that back, to, get, um, to make 1,500 calories work. And the opposite is true. If you eat more, it will try to burn that off to keep your body at that body set weight. That is basically a summary of the book. But how do you, but if that doesn't work, how, what does work? Well, that is to change the body set weight itself. 
if 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 you want the body, the temperature to be set at sixty five degrees all the time, then you will set the temperature at sixty five, right? Um, so with the body, if you want to lose weight, your body is going to try to keep you at let's say like like I was. If you're if you're three hundred pounds, let's just say if you're three hundred pounds and that's your body set weight, it's going to try to keep you around three hundred pounds. Just to make this more clear. And so it will ramp up and slow down to try to keep you around that body set weight. But you got to change the body set weight from 300 to 250 to 200 pounds to when you, whatever it is that's healthy for you. And the only way to do that is to change the body set weight itself. And the only way you can do that really is through fasting. It's, it's, uh, you've got to get rid of the fat on the body in order for your body set weight to change. Okay. As you lose weight, you're going to get hungry, all right? And hunger is basically a ghrelin response. It's another hormone. And so when you're doing the calorie, the, the, the standard diet advice, you're going to be experiencing hunger all the time. And what's happening is the more hungry you get, the more likely it is that you're going to eat and eat a whole lot, and then you're going to gain all the way back, if, if not more. There's something very interesting about fasting is that because your body is getting the nutrients from your fat cells, your hunger um, responses are actually a lot less. And as a fast goes on, it actually reduces in intensity until the, fat, until the point where you're not hungry at all. When I done my 10-day fast, I really was not hungry at all. And I had full energy because I actually was eating. I was, I was using the energy from the food I had ate days, months, and years ago. And so I was actually, my body was still being fed. It was being fed from the excess from what I had been eating before. Whereas in the other example with the, with the, the, with the diet, with the 500 calories, your body is not getting the nutrients it needs. And it's hungry and it's trying to let you know through hunger, uh, through this, hung, this hunger hormone called gremlin. And so that is another reason why fasting is a better way of going about it is because you're not going to experience hunger in the same way. Okay. So, hopefully that made sense because, and you might want to listen to this, you might want to get on YouTube and just listen to all the Dr. Fung lectures and just listen to it over and over again until you understand what is actually being said because it's not complicated, but it's also not the simplest thing if you don't know much about how the body works in general, right? But the answer is to losing body fat, especially if you're not an athlete, is intermittent fasting. Even if you are an athlete, intermittent fasting works like hand-in-glove uh, with exercise, right? And it works hand-in-glove with a low-carb, f- high-fat diet. Um, intermittent fasting is basically, it's not a diet. Let's make that clear. Intermittent fasting isn't telling you what you should eat. So if you're a vegetarian and you're on a vegetarian diet, stay on your vegetarian diet. If you're on another kind of diet, on keto, whatever diet you normally eat, you can stay on that diet. Fasting is not a diet. It's just an interview of when you eat and when you don't eat. Now, the key to understanding intermittent fasting and losing weight is to understand that there is no magic hour in the day that you're going to lose weight. It's not about the specific time. It's about the time period between meals. Okay? 
So it doesn't matter if you want to start start eating at 8 o'clock in the morning or you want to start at 12 o'clock in the middle of the day or you want to start at 8 o'clock at night and eat all night. It doesn't matter. It's just the amount of time between your last meal and your first meal the next day or the next meal. That is what a fast is. So uh, an alternate day fasting is what I practice is eating every 36 to 48 hours, which basically means there's a you eat on one day and you don't eat the next day. That is the most efficient way to lose weight that most people can do, right? And then there's also another fasting, which is called a water fast, which is like an extended fast, like five plus days where you just drink water. And then there's dry fast. There's all kinds of fasts, but we're just talking about intermittent fasting here. So the most popular intermittent fasting is what they call a 16-8. 16-8 meaning 24 hours. 16 hours where you um, don't eat, eight hours when you do eat. And the most popular one is, and the one I use is because I, I don't get hungry in the mornings. I never really have. But at what it is, you start eating at 12 o'clock, and you can eat from t- you, you can eat two or three meals in between 12 and 8 o'clock p.m. Once 8 o'clock comes, you do not eat again until 12 o'clock the next day. That gives you 16 hours to fast. That is the most common um, intermittent fasting regimen or whatever. The next common one, um, and, I, and I just explained that here. That, that's what this chart is about. It's like you, you eat your first meal at 12, and you eat your last meal at 8, and then the rest of the time you fast. And then you just do that every single day. And then if you exercise, it's best to exercise, which when I say exercise, just walking is fine. You don't even have to go to the gym. You can just walk. Um, it's to eat an hour or two before you eat. I mean, to, to do exercise an hour or two before you uh, eat your first meal. And you'll get the maximum results from that. An alternate day fast, which is what I practice, is on day one, let's say day one is Monday. Monday I eat a normal um, 16-8, which I start at 12 and I stop at 8. Day two, at 8 o'clock that night, that's when I start my fast. And then the day two, I do not eat at all. I go to bed. And then day three on Wednesday... Technically, you can start eating at 8 o'clock in the morning because that's 36 hours, and that's what a lot of people do, and that's fine. But obviously, the longer you go, the better. So, like, if you go 40 hours or 44 hours or even 47 hours before you eat, you get more benefit of fat burning. I like to do uh, 40 hours because I like to try to keep my normal eating um, even on the days after after I fasted the day. But you just do this alternate between one day to the next, one day to the next, and, and basically... You'll get 15 days of fasting over the course of a month. Now, here's something that's interesting about an alternate day fast. If you do an uh, intermittent fast where you're eating um, eight hours out of every single day, what you eat becomes more important. It becomes very much more important to eat a keto-type diet or a low-carb diet. If you want to be more lax in what you eat, not mean you can just eat junk, but if you want to not be as strict about what you eat, not counting calories, not doing any of that, doing an alternate day fast is actually better. Because remember, even if you were to eat carbohydrates right before 8 o'clock, yes, it's going to take longer for your insulin levels to come back down, but you're not eating the whole day the next day. So you're going to get many, a lot more hours of fasting. You're not going to cheat or whatever. You're going to get your hours of fasting in anyway, so it doesn't. It almost it's, it's, it doesn't matter as much. That is what uh, what I, I found, 
And so if you do, don't want to be as strict with your diet, an alternate day fast is really what you want to try to do. Okay? And so I, I sped this up here at the end because I, I, I really just don't want to take all day. You really need to look into this because this is like a, a life-changing study. And there's a lot of stuff that goes with it. Um, but basically, here are some of the benefits. A lot of us are, you know, like, like when you do all these other advice, such as going to the gym and eating these diets and doing all this sort of stuff, you're, this stuff is not cheap. It, it costs a lot of money. The interesting thing about fasting is it's free, right? When you don't eat, you don't spend money. All right. And depending on if you're a single person or you have a family, you actually save a a little or a lot of money because you don't have to buy food for yourself or as much food for yourself or you don't have to. And and maybe you still have to buy for your family. But for you, you don't have to buy as much. It's also more convenient. It saves time and effort. If you're not eating, you're not cooking. (laughs) And all the time, the, the time that goes along with cooking, unless you're cooking for a family, obviously. But I'm talking from a single person. Like, I, if I fast, I don't have to spend a lot of money, and I don't have to cook. <laughs> um, it does not require a restrictive diet. Like I was saying, I would say if you want to maximize your results, there's two. There's only two things you need to remember: eat as little sugar as you can, and that includes processed foods, cokes, juices. You want to eat, drink water. You want to eat. Uh, fruits, uh, fruit has veg- uh, uh, sugar in it, but it also has fiber. That makes it not quite as bad. Um, but what you want to do is try to stay away from much bread as possible, especially just loaves of bread. But bready foods, if I'm talking about like dumplings or whatever, you can eat it, but don't eat a whole lot of it. And stay away as much sugar as possible. Remember that those are all carbohydrates, right? So if you just do those two things, stay away from as much sugar and carbohydrates, which is mostly just stay away from bread, eat as good of diet as you want, whatever you want to eat. That's, that's, that's pretty much what it comes down to. It does not require a restrictive diet, is what I'm saying. So you can still eat all the foods that you already want to eat, but you just want to reduce the amount of bread and sugar that you consume. It gives your digestive system a rest so that the body can take the energy that it's normally using for digestion and apply it to other parts of the body, the body for functions. All right. So you're not your body, your digestive system, and you feel better when you're not full of food. OK, no exercise is required. Believe it or not, you don't have to go exercise to, 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 to do this and lose weight. Now, the results are going to be slower because you're not using as much energy. But you, but it's not required. But if you do exercise, you do get added benefits. Um, especially if you do like high intensity exercise, you get much more added benefits because exercise, when you do intensive exercise, it burns through the blood sugar in your, you know, the blood sugar, the glucose faster so that you get back in the fat burning quicker. That is an added advantage of exercise. No gym membership. You don't have to go to the gym. You don't have to be young or an athlete. So if you're 70, 80, 90 years old and you're needing to lose a few pounds, you don't have to be 20 or 15 to lose weight. You can, you know, everybody can do this and lose weight. You have higher energy levels than when you do the standard diet because you're not starving the body. Your body is still getting everything it needs, so you feel better. You have um, higher energy levels. And 
the concept, the basic concept of fasting is simply don't eat. It's abstinent, so it's, it's simple to understand. But basically, if you have questions, like obviously you can always come to me and ask me questions. I've studied this intensively for a long time now. It works. Um, I, I know too many examples, and there's people all over the world that are starting to, to, to start this fasting lifestyle, and they're getting results. And, it's, and it's, everybody's getting the results because if you don't eat, you will lose weight. It's as simple as that. So, hopefully that made a lot of sense. I just went through months and months and months of, uh, and actually two years of research in about 30, 40 minutes. I don't know how long it's been. But that is the key to losing weight. And you can use fasting to regain your health by losing, by getting rid of the fat, the, the extra fat on your body, lowering your blood sugar levels, which is causing a lot of the problems that we, we experience as health, for health reasons, and you'll look and feel better. And so with that, I'm going to go ahead and end the sermon there um, and end with a word of prayer. But basically, God gave us everything we need to, to, to be healthy. We don't have to go buy any products and stuff to be healthy. We don't have to go to the doctors to be healthy. He already gave us the, the ability to be healthy. And just understanding how he designed us to, to operate our physiology, this is how every human works. Some diet, some exercises work for different people and not for others. But fasting works for everybody. Now, if you have a health issue that you're concerned with fasting, you can still go see your doctor and ask them about it. Many of them don't understand what fasting is, and they may give you some really bad advice, but some do, right? But if you want a, a doctor to kind of watch over you as you go about this process, by all means do that. But fasting is a natural process that we were all designed to do because it was designed to keep us alive through feast and famine. It's the, it's, it's the one thing that has been going on since God created this world and created human beings. All right, so with that, let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Lord, thank you so much for giving us the knowledge and the understanding to be able to regain our, our health, um, to reverse diabetes, to reverse obesity, um, through just having a simple understanding of how you designed us to, to function. Lord, thank you so much for um, sharing this knowledge with me and giving me the opportunity to share this with my church um, and anyone that's watching this video um, online. May someone um, hear this message and research and get the answers that they've been desperate um, looking for, just like I was looking for, that's been struggling with losing weight and struggling with diabetes, and they're, they're looking for an answer. Lord, thank you so much for um, getting this message out. And, Lord, we ask that the, those who are on this journey back to health, that, that you give them the strength to and the courage to, to um, take this first step into um, building fasting into their lifestyle so that they can be healthier. Lord, we want to just give you all the, the praise for everything that you do for us and our families. And um, I ask that you be with this congregation um, as they um, Go have potluck and bless them. And as they go home, um, keep them safe as they go home, Lord. And that allow, may they have an amazing, beautiful Sabbath of rest and, and get some peace from this world. And, Lord, we just want to thank you and thank you for the blessings and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you, guys. I will see you in church pretty soon.